This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, October 31st, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Each president stands on the shoulders of predecessors when it comes to executive power claims. So how do Joe Biden's views on executive power line up? Cato's Gene Healy details what Joe Biden and his running mate Kamala Harris have to say about the powers of the presidency. We've discussed this before, but remind our listeners, to what extent has uh, Donald Trump asserted uh, new presidential authorities? He's, uh, he's certainly big for broad theories of executive power. Uh, you know, he says things like uh, when somebody's president of the United States, the authority is total. Luckily, the bark has been a lot worse than the bite. Uh, so, uh, a lot of what, uh, when figuring out Donald Trump and executive power is largely a matter of separating signal from noise. He tends to tweet out a lot of crank theories of executive power, nine out of 10 of which there's no follow through for. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it would be fair to say he doesn't have a philosophy of executive power restraint. Uh, but on on the other hand, uh, the major uh, executive power grabs that have happened in this administration, and there have been some significant ones, uh, involve things like national emergency powers, uh, the use of national security powers in trade, uh, on war powers. He has been in the Bush-Obama mold with one exception, which would be the uh, targeted killing of uh, Soleimani in Iran. In general, I I think he's made, uh, he's gone further than his immediate predecessors in terms of stonewalling Congress uh, in the impeachment investigation. But uh, again, you really have to, you you, you have to separate out the uh, noise from the signal, the bark from the bite. Uh, It's fair to say that, uh, that Donald Trump is a fan of executive power uh, and certainly doesn't have a philosophy of self-restraint when it comes to the use of executive power. All right. So what do we know about his Democratic opponent? He served as vice president for eight years. And uh, as a senator, we might get a false impression of his views of executive power uh, because, of course, he was in the Senate, not the White House. Right. Well, you know, everybody... Everybody at Cato, every uh, policy person at Cato thinks that their issue is the most important and it should be getting a lot more discussion in this campaign. And uh, I'm no exception, uh, my issue being executive power. Uh, but I'm right. Uh, I'm especially right because, uh, you know, what? what's the major issue that's going to come up in, in any new presidency is what what can the president do with the powers of the office without Congress? Uh, It's sort of the quintessential question about what the presidency, this particular presidency is going to be like. And in this campaign, we've had really very little, too little discussion of executive power issues. A lot of them have tended to come up only obliquely. Uh, So Joe Biden, uh, for a while in the summer, is pushing a national mask mandate. And he says in September, our legal team thinks I can do that. Uh, well, I don't know who's on their legal team. If it's not John Yu, that's pretty doubtful. That's uh, the idea of the president 
implementing a national mask mandate, telling uh, all Americans what to wear on their face, uh, there is no statutory or constitutional authority for that. And it really is as broad a claim as, you know, President Trump's assertion that Article 2 gives him the right to do whatever he wants. Biden has walked that claim back. Uh, but you certainly didn't see or hear a lot of discussion of the scope of the powers of the presidency in our uh, two debates and two town halls. How much of that? I mean, we can't really say with uh, confidence how much of that is campaign rhetoric. And as you said, he has uh, backed down a bit from it. Um, to what extent has he been critical of this president on uses of executive authority? Yeah, in the town hall that took the place of the second debate in Biden's town hall, he lit into President Trump for his recent executive actions, extending unemployment insurance and suspending payroll tax collection uh, in the wake of the, the failure of the replacement for the CARES Act. And Biden said in that town hall, you know, some of my Democratic friends say, well, if you can't get the votes by, you know, you can do something by executive order. And Biden says, you can't do everything by executive order unless you're a dictator. We're a democracy. We need consensus. So this is what Biden said. And it's sort of music to my ears. And then I thought it sounded familiar. So I looked up what President Obama had said uh, about rewriting immigration law with the stroke of a pen. And he said something quite similar. That's not how our democracy functions. That's not how our constitution is written. And then came back in less than a year later and did everything he said he didn't have the power to do. So uh, the fact that, uh, that Joe Biden has criticized Trump on this basis on the campaign trail really doesn't tell you much. But we did actually have a fairly substantive discussion of executive power issues much earlier in the campaign, uh, last September. Uh, there's uh, some of some of you, some of our audience may uh, be familiar with uh, the New York Times reporter Charlie Savage. Uh, executive power is basically his beat, and for each of the last four presidential election cycles, he's gotten the candidates or tried to get the candidates to answer a series, a questionnaire on the powers of the presidency uh, with a lot of hypotheticals in it. And he's had pretty good success doing that, except for the 2016 cycle when only Rand Paul and Ben Carson answered the questionnaire. But in most presidential elections, He's gotten a majority of the candidates to fill out a pretty detailed questionnaire on their views on executive power. Um, and as it happens, Joe Biden has has answered this survey uh, or a version of this survey twice when he was running in 2008 and in September. And so it is interesting to be able to compare the answers he gave the first time around uh, when he was running for the presidency in his own right in 2008, before he became vice president, and what he was saying at the beginning of this Democratic primary season, because after he served in the vice presidency, uh, the, a lot of his views seemed to grow in office. He has a much broader vision of what the president can get away with constitutionally than he did the first time around. 
Practically speaking, what did that entail? So, uh, for example, uh, he was asked in the first survey that there's, there's some standard questions or variations on standard questions. Uh, Savage always asked the candidates, what are their views about constitutional war powers? Uh, can the president launch a military attack if the United States is not under immediate threat or does he need Congress? And the first time around, Senator Biden, this is in uh, the December 2007 is when he's answering this. For uh, Biden said categorically and clearly that the president had no power to launch military force without uh without Congress in, if there wasn't an imminent attack. He said, uh, the Constitution is clear, except in response to an attack or the imminent threat of attack, only Congress may authorize war and the use of force. Left himself basically no wiggle room. And it was pretty consistent with what he was saying on the campaign trail uh, around this time. At one point, uh, I think the same month, uh, Biden told the campaign rally that if George Bush was to try to launch a war against Iran, uh, that Biden would make it his business to impeach him. It's kind of hard to do from the Senate, but uh, people knew what he meant. The contemporary version of this survey, the 2019 version, uh, Biden running now, he's uh, left himself a lot more wiggle room. Uh, he says that the, uh, per the Constitution gives the president the power to direct limited U.S. military operations without prior congressional approval, if they're, uh, they serve important U.S. interests or are limited in uh, scope, nature, and duration, uh, which is essentially Libya. That's uh, almost directly from the Justice Department Office of Legal Counsel memo in 2011 uh, justifying Barack Obama's war on Libya, uh, bombing campaign on, uh, against Gaddafi. Obama had answered this uh, this question too, and he gave a, about as a, a you know constitutionalist and strict answer as uh, Biden did. Uh, and then when he got into office, he uh, uh, went back on that. And that quote, uh, his quote from that interview, got thrown back in his face. Uh, Biden supposedly was against the Libyan adventure. That's what some of the reporting says. But now, to a certain extent, he's hamstrung uh, by by what's happened in the administration. And if you, you know, he's not going to get caught out saying that the Obama administration, Obama Biden administration, launched an unconstitutional war, uh, even though they clearly did. All right. So, as you noted, the the uh, Joe Biden has walked back claims that uh, he would, as president, have the authority to. Uh, issue a national mask mandate or it, whether or not he claims the constitutional authority to do it. He, he definitely said that he uh, wanted to do that. So how does Biden responded to uh, other questions about emergency powers of the White House? Well, it's interesting because uh, I think, you know, as we said at the top of this uh, podcast, uh, one of the few areas where where President Trump has been dangerously innovative in the use of executive power is with the use of national emergency powers. Uh, you know, we, national emergency declarations aren't new, but what was new was his border wall emergency, the idea that you could 
lose a budget fight with Congress and then just do an end run around uh, the budget process by in declaring a national emergency and building your, your border wall, uh, finding the money for it. Uh, so I think that's an important question. And Savage uh, asks that question. He gives he actually gives uh, a list of proposed areas where there could be moves by Congress to restrict presidential powers. He gives a list of about 10 of them. Uh, and the first one is national emergency powers. And he asks the candidates, which of the things on this list would you be willing to support? Which which areas of presidential power do you think would, would be deserve to be restricted and you'd be inclined to sign legislation in that uh, area? And uh, interestingly, Biden just bypasses right, passes right uh, by the national emergency uh, uh, restrictions. He, he doesn't acknowledge that Savage has asked that part of the question. And he goes on to support a number of restrictions on executive power. But a lot of them are, uh, I would say the bulk of them are tailored towards uh, the particular issues surrounding Donald Trump, and they're not really going to hamstring a Joe Biden presidency much. Uh, a lot of things like uh, forcing the president and presidential candidates to release their tax returns, uh, which Biden has already released his tax returns, tightening up restrictions on nepotism, unless he's going to appoint Hunter Biden uh, envoy for Middle East peace or something. Uh, this is probably not going to cramp Joe Biden's style, but he will not uh, acknowledge that you know he will not commit himself to restricting the ability of the president to uh seize new powers through national emergency declarations and uh you know there might be a good reason there you can read too much into the silence but uh you know when president trump made that border wall emergency declaration you did see quite a few uh democratic candidates, Democrat elected officials, and Democratic legal thinkers uh, kind of sit up and go, hmm, you know, what could we do with these powers in the in areas like climate change and gun violence? So uh, this may be, this, this is a weapon that Trump in some ways has added to the executive arsenal, and it may be something that Joe Biden wants to keep in his quiver. Uh, that's something that should worry us. What about Kamala Harris? Uh, she, in her time as a prosecutor, showed really no compunction about using uh, being pretty harsh and not showing a lot of uh, giving a lot of people grace when uh, she had the ability to do so. What is what are her views on executive power? Well, yeah, the people who go into uh, who become prosecutors. Uh, you know, generally don't have a lot of compunction about wielding executive power. Um, and Kamala Harris is, is no exception. Uh, so you'll recall that uh, she, of course, was a candidate for president in her own right. And as it happens, she answered this survey as well. And if anything, her answers are less direct, uh, leave more wiggle room, they're cagier and uh, more expansive than uh, the top of the ticket. Uh, you know, so she she answers the, the war powers question uh, by saying uh, she won't hesitate to do what it takes to protect our country in the face of an imminent threat in the future. 
Uh, do, does that include bombing North Korea or Iran? Uh, she says, those situations would require careful consideration of all the surrounding facts and circumstances. Uh, the, another question on the survey uh, involves whether it's lawful to hold American citizens without trial as enemy combatants or kill them with drone strikes. Um, those are uh, the former being something that uh, the Bush administration did, the latter something, of course, that the Obama administration did. Uh, Harris's answer is any president should reserve the right to act quickly to protect our country from attack, but decisions of such consequences of such consequence must rely on our values and constitutional principles. So that really clears that up. Thanks. She also ducked the emergency powers question uh, and wouldn't commit herself to restraining presidential power in that area. Uh, so all told, it's always difficult to tell, uh, you know, Executive power, even though it should be, is never uh, quite at the center of campaign debates. It certainly has not been at the center of this debate. Um, It's always hard to tell by what, uh, by how they answer questions like these, what presidents are going to do. I mean, you know, you look at Obama's clear answer on the war powers question before he came, became president. And then, of course, he goes and bombs Libya for seven months with no congressional authorization at all. So it's not, there's no guarantee. These aren't, these, these aren't uh, ironclad campaign pledges, but uh, they do provide us with some information. The information that we have reading between the lines in some cases, uh, it doesn't suggest there will be any kind of sincere effort to uh, put the genie back in the bottle uh, to to restrict. It, very few people do what it takes to become president. People who are willing to to uh, to run that gauntlet. Very few of them. And if they end up in the presidency, you know, they're they're not inclined to say, "Well, now that I'm here, I'd like less power." Uh, and certainly, there's nothing about Joe Biden or. Kamala Harris's career to suggest that they're going to be the exception to the rule, all of which means if you want real reform on separation of powers issues, it's got to come from outside the presidency and uh, it's got to come from Congress. And I think that's what we can conclude here. Gene Healy is a vice president at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.